I believe he's all we need tonight. So thankful for him. Appreciate the Lord tonight. Thankful uh, tonight after this service. Uh, Going to be baptizing at least one uh, tonight in Jesus' name. Praise God. Thankful for that. Uh, I got the phone, a phone call this week and said uh, he was here last week, last Wednesday night. We taught that lesson about the plan of salvation, about being baptized and, and what the scripture says and, and baptized one young man last week and thankful to baptize this fine young man tonight in Jesus' name. Man, God can do it. And six years ago, I was having a Bible study with uh, me and my wife with Sister Alyssa. And after we had that Bible study, I think we were just up in the Sunday school rooms and had the Bible study. And I think they were doing kids' choir or something was going on down here. And we just came on down here. She said, I got to be baptized in Jesus' name. She, so we came down and baptized her six years ago. Man, praise God. Boy, it went quick. That went quick. We're thankful for the Lord, just his mercy reaching out to people tonight. And what he's doing, I believe we're has greater things yet to see, I, and I, I just want to be a part of it. I just want to be part of it. If you have your Bibles, you want to turn tonight, Matthew twenty-one, and you can be seated. Go ahead and be seated tonight. Um, the scriptures will not be on the screens tonight. <laughs> we have two new screens, and uh, we didn't have the right connectors, and so hopefully they'll be here tomorrow, and we'll have our screens up and running. We've got to have them running by Friday, so it's, uh, it's going to be do or die tomorrow. We're going to get them done, but um, so just we'll go old school tonight. You'll have to look in your Bible, uh, and if you don't have one, I'm sure you have one on your phone probably, so, but Matthew 21 uh, verses, I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. Uh, it was a uh, a familiar story as Jesus was nearing the time of his crucifixion. It says, And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethphage, unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples. He said unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you will find a colt tied, uh, and loose them, and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Sion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee meek, and sitting upon a donkey, and a colt, the foal of a donkey. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the donkey and the colt, and put on them their clothes. And they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. And I want to talk to you for a few moments tonight uh, on this thought, when the king comes in. Let's pray together tonight. Precious Lord, thank you for your word, for your presence we feel tonight. And Lord, let us learn and hear what the Spirit would say to the church tonight. Let us 
uh, have good ground ready to receive the seed of your word. It might change us, make us better, get us ready for heaven. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. One more time, clap your hands to the Lord for his word tonight. Thankful to the Lord tonight. When the king comes in, I can tell you this, that something will happen when the king comes in. This story that we read, uh, we see that uh, prophecy is being fulfilled. The word of God is being fulfilled. Jesus was about to ride in to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a city that the Lord said, I will put my name there. You read this in the Old Testament scriptures. The Lord said, I will put my name there forever. And uh, when they asked, who is this that they're worshiping, they, they gave the answer, this is Jesus. And so I'm thankful tonight that we can know the name of that Savior. But when he began to come in, he was writing, it says, the king is coming. He's coming to you. The king, uh, or not just any king, but your king. Your king is coming unto you. He's going to show up. And when he came in, people got beside themselves. People began to, and I mean, this was in a time and a place where the Pharisees, uh, they ran that city. And they didn't, these people did not care what anybody else thought, but they began to uh, gather. They began to uh, break branches. They began to, you know, uh, take their garments off. They weren't stripping down to, to where they were indecent, but they were taking off their coats, the things that uh, identified them. They were laying them down so that uh, the donkey would have something to walk upon, and they knew this is our king coming. They began to cry out and worship him. You read about this in other gospels, and it says that the Pharisees were talking to Jesus. I guess as he's riding down the road, they're, they're coming up beside him. Do you not hear what they're saying? And tell them to be quiet. They're worshiping you. They're calling you the king, and they're blessing your name. And he said, if these were to hold their peace, that the rocks would begin to cry out uh, because he's worthy to be praised. When the king comes in, he's worthy of all the praise. A few scriptures tonight just to back that up. Psalm 113 and 3 says, From the rising of the sun until the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. Psalm 34 and 1 said, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Psalm 150, 1 and 2 says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Psalm 67 and 3 says, Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. And it was more than just uh, uh, a parade. It was more than just some kind of... Uh, service that they were having there but this was the king and not only was the king showing up but his identity was being proclaimed his name was being established the answer to the question who is this the answer was Jesus this is Jesus of Nazareth and we see uh, that same kind of question being asked we talked about it last week in the book of Acts what shall we do when they, Peter preached Jesus, preached that name, that they want to know what can we do? It's something about that name. 
Something about when the king begins to move, when he begins to come in to establish and set up, something's going to change. And when I think about this, there were a lot of people in that city that day who watched him and did not believe in who he was, but that did not change who he was. And uh, the people there uh, that were worshiping him had begun to do something that we have to make a decision about in our life. See, they, they decided, this is my king. I'm going to accept what the word says, the, the prophecies being fulfilled. He's not just a king, but he's my king. And that's what we have to do. We have to, when we come in contact with this Jesus, we have to get things in order. We must put him as king of our life. He can't just be, hey, he's the Lord whether I worship him or not. He's the king whether I bow down to him or not. He, he, nothing changes who he is whether I believe in him or not. I was talking to my sister today and her ex-husband, he, he's an atheist. He does not believe in God. But, you know, that doesn't change the fact that God is real. And when people don't serve him, it doesn't change who he is. When people don't believe him, it doesn't change who he is. When people mock him, it does not change who he is. He is the king. He is the king of glory. He's the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. And whether I believe it or accept it or, or even acknowledge it or not, it does not change who he is. He's the king without a doubt, whether I submit or not. But one day, the scripture says, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I think I'd rather go ahead and get in on that now. I believe I'd rather bow down now and acknowledge him as my Lord. They sing a song around Christmas time that the angel called him Jesus, but I call him Lord. And um, I'm glad that I know his name, but I'm also glad that he is my Lord, uh, that uh, he's somebody, you know, I know uh, uh, some famous people or even, uh, you, know, you know, the name of kings and queens in, in this world, things like that, but, but they may not be your king. You know, uh, the, the queen of England, she's just the queen of England to me. She has no rule in my life or anything like that. Uh, you know, so it, that, I'm, I'm glad she is who she is to those people. But to me, she's just somebody I know about. But you know, the Lord is the Lord over everybody. God said in his word that, behold, all souls are mine. That man was created in his image. That God so loved the world that he came and, or that he gave his only begotten son. So God loves us all. And whosoever will, he said, just let them come. I don't care who they are. I want to be the king over all of them. He actually went as far to say in Isaiah that, look unto me all ends of the earth. And be ye saved. For I am God and there is none else. There's not going to be another one. He's the king of glory. And so I must uh, uh, identify him. That's what happened that day. Who is this? It's Jesus of Nazareth. And they said, so this is the king. There were people there, no doubt, who knew what the prophet had written. That our king was going to come riding upon the colt of a donkey he, he's going to that's how he's coming meek and lowly and some people realized and caught that and understood that Jesus is my king they identified him for who he was and they worshiped him but as I identify him I find a place where I must begin to lose my identity I can't 
you know, before him, I was running my life, or at least I thought. I was making my decisions based on what I wanted. The Bible says we have the power to yield. We either yield to God or we yield to the flesh. And it's whoever you yield your members to, that's whose servant you become. And I had yielded my members to my flesh, to this world, to other things, and not to God. He was God, no doubt. He was the Lord, no doubt. He was the Savior, no doubt. But it was not going to benefit me until I yielded to him, until I could identify him and call him king, uh, my king, my Lord, my God, my Savior. There's one place where Paul, I believe, wrote that he said, we suffer uh, because of uh, this belief we have in the living God. And he said, he is the Savior of all men, especially to them that believe. You know, he's the Savior of everybody, but everybody won't take advantage of that. When he said he's the Savior of all men, but he said, especially to them that believe, it means, but it's going to take believing in him, who he is, what he does for it to make an impact in my life. And once I believe that he's my Savior, I must act on that. I must begin to worship him in spirit and in truth. I need to try to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I need to get better. I've got to, as one man said, I've got to decrease and he must increase. I must lose my identity. I've read this before in these scriptures and it stuck out to me one day that when they brought the colt and the donkey to Jesus, those disciples, they took off their coats, their garments, their, their clothing and laid it upon uh, the donkey so he could ride on it. And then as he began to ride, they would lay down the branches, but they also spread their garments out in the way. And, and I, I've thought about this, that garments and clothing, things, uniforms, things like that today, they, they identify us. You know, if you were a suspect in a crime, when the detectives show up, they're going to ask everybody around, what was he wearing? Because that's the easiest way to identify you right off the bat. Well, well he, had on a red sh- uh, he had on a red shirt and some blue jeans and, and some brown shoes. And, and, and now when the, the police are riding around town, hey, look at that guy, red shoes, blue jeans, brown. They're going to pull over and say, hey, where were you an hour ago? Now they can begin to question to see if you're the one that they're looking for. But that's the easiest way. Uh, to start that identification process and is with that garment. Even in Scripture, uh, the significance of clothing and garments and robes is mentioned over and over and over. Esau, it says, was identified red all over like a hairy garment. That's a lot of hair. Joseph had a coat of many colors and it, identi- it identified him And then his brothers used it to deceive Jacob. They said, is not this your son's coat? And that's how he knew that something or he thought was deceived into believing something terrible had happened to Joseph. And in fact, it had. Um, When Joseph was in Egypt, Potiphar's wife lied on him. And the the evidence that she had to show her husband was because when Joseph fled, he, she grabbed hold of his coat, and he just left it. And she said, I've got his coat. This is his. That's how you can believe me, even though she was lying. Tamar, in the Old Testament, took off her widow's garment, and then she veiled her face to appear 
to be as a harlot so she could deceive Judah. The priest of the temple, you'll read uh, chapters of the details that went into their garments, their robes, all the detail along the border, uh, the bells, the pomegranates, all the things that they had. You'll read about the tassels of blue that they would put on uh, their garments to identify that they were the children of the Lord. Bartimaeus in the New Testament was a blind beggar, and it says when he came to Jesus, he cast away his garment because he wasn't going to be a beggar anymore. Peter, it said, had a fisher's coat that he put on when he knew that it was the Lord on the shore. You'll find in the scripture that kings have a certain attire that they would wear. Soldiers had certain attire that they would wear. All identifying garments. Even David, the king, when they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into Israel, he, it says he took off his kingly robe and he he girded himself with a, a linen ephod and he he began to dance before the Lord with all his might he he took off what it made him what everybody knew that's the king that's his robe that's his garment even his wife looked out the window and despised him and and said oh, oh how great was the king today to just uh, uncover yourself uh, in front of all these people like one of these vain fellows would do but but he said I'm, I'm just trying to get uh, where it's not about me being king. I'm laying down my identity so I can really worship the Lord. It's, I'm not worshiping him because he made me king. I'm worshiping him because his glory is coming back. I'm worshiping him because he's worthy, not because of my position, not because of who I am, but I'm just worshiping him because he's worthy. In the life, the place, the world we live today, you may not know people by name, but you would know them by their attire, what they had on. You can tell when you see a policeman by his uniform, a fireman by his uniform, soldiers by their uniform, doctors, nurses, astronauts, sports figures, whatever they might be. You can tell their identity uh, is tied to their garment, what they're wearing. And then on this day, when the king rode in, when he made his entrance, they laid down their identity so they could worship him. It's not about who he's made me. It's not about what I've got. It's not about who I am. It's about who he is. Worship is to him. He's worthy of it whether I'm poor or whether I'm rich, whether I'm smart or whether I'm ignorant, whether I'm well-liked or I'm despised. God's still worthy to be praised. They said, we're going to take off what makes us who we are. Everybody can tell who that is. You know, we do that as parents. We we. We take them, especially when they're little, you put on clothing that you can remember. This is what they're wearing. So if you're in a crowd, you can spot them. There goes that orange shirt. There goes that green. You know, you, you can pick them out by what they've got on, and it, it identifies them. But these people that day said it's not about who we are, but the king is riding in. And the king is coming in. Jesus is coming in, and something's got to change about who I am. I've got to lay down who I am. So I can worship him and praise him for who he was or who he is. Jesus of Nazareth, the Lord of glory. It was just like that then and that's how it ought to be now. Will we lay down our identity for him? Or is there just something we feel like we can't let go of? Is there something about our life that we just like, I, I just, 
I can't let go of that. That's who I am. There was a, a man in Scripture that was like that. That there were things he couldn't lay down. The Bible describes him as a rich, young ruler. But he wanted eternal life. And he said, Master, what must I do to have it? And he said, you're going to have to sell all your possessions. Distribute it to the poor. That's not who I am. I'm rich, and I like it, and I keep it. That's why I'm still rich. But he said, you'll have to lay that down. You'll have to lose that identity, and you'll just become one of my disciples. You'll, you'll follow me, and, and I'll teach you things, and I'll show you things, and you'll become who I want you to be. I'll make you. You know, when he called Peter and his brother, he said, uh, come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. He said, they laid down their nets Immediately, they just drop their nets. You know what? You see somebody walking around with a net. Well, that's a fisherman in that day. But they dropped their nets and they began to follow Jesus because he was going to turn them into something else. They laid down their identity so that uh, they could be what Jesus wanted them to be. In Luke chapter 9, the Lord said this. He says, uh, 9 and 23 if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? We've got to lose our life. We've got to lose our identity. Once he comes in, once we come to him, then it's got to be all about him. The scripture says I need to learn to love him with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the first commandment. And I can't do that when I am holding on uh, to who I think I'm supposed to be. I can't do that when I'm trying to hold on to my reputation, when I'm trying to hold on to what identifies me in this world. I, I had some things that identified me before I came to the Lord, and guess what? Those just did not line up with him. They did not line up with his plan for my life. I could not keep being the person that people knew me to be in this world and still follow him like I should. I had to lay down some habits that were in my life. I had to lay down some uh, occupations that were in my life. I had to lay down some things that, that entertained me in this life. I had to get rid of those things. The scripture says that my life should be hid in Christ. Colossians 3 and in, in 1, Paul said this, If ye, us, if you are risen with Christ, now you seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Friend, our identity has got to go away. We've got to lose that. We, well, I, man, I, I worked hard to get to where I am. Let me tell you, I'd rather lose who I am in this world so I can be who Jesus wants me to be. If we believe what the Scripture really says, we, we want to go to heaven, we want to have new life, then we've got to believe, we've got to let go, so we've got to lose who we are in this world. Listen, our, our, our culture will never be, the world's culture will never be greater than kingdom culture. It just won't be. And so that's where we, that's why if it is, 
if individual culture becomes greater than kingdom culture, we can't all be one. How can we all be baptized in the one body if we're all fighting for our own way? It becomes about thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, any man, I don't care what his status is. I don't care what his job is. I don't care how much money he's got. I don't care how educated he is. I don't care how wicked he's been. I don't care how good he's been. But once he is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things now, all things about my life are become new. I am now in Christ, and I am now new in Christ. My life is new. My thoughts are new. So my actions should be new. The Bible says don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's going to be a difference. Uh, there's going to be some change when we come to Him. And if to get into Christ, the Bible says you are baptized into Christ, and that's what we're going to do tonight. Uh, this young man is going to be baptized into Christ, and, and he's going to be a new creature. When he comes up out of that water, old things are passed away. He's going to have a brand new slate. He's going, he's going to, does it mean he'll never make any mistakes? Absolutely not. Does it mean he'll never wonder what he's doing? Absolutely not. We still throw our hands up and go, where am I at sometimes? It happens. We're still going to be human. We're still going to have needs. We're still going to have to follow him to the best of our ability. But everything from the past is gone. Galatians 2 and 20, Paul said this, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. So he said, I'm dead, but I'm alive, which is what uh, he just said in Colossians, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. In other words, I don't go back to the way I was. I live, but not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, the guy you see in now is living by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Yes, I still look the same. My hair is still the same color. I still have the same eyes. I still have the same accent. I st you know, all that, yeah, physically I look the same, but I am different. My actions will be different. My thoughts will be different. My speech will be different. It will be different. Paul said, I am in travail for you in Galatians 4.19. He said, until Christ be formed in you. Listen, we have been born again by the word of God. We have received the spirit of adoption and it bears witness that we are a child of God. We are not our own, the Bible says, for you are bought with a price and you are not your own. Uh, he purchased us with his blood. I am his. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I know you think I'm going to read verses 9 through 11, but I'm not. Because that's one we read a lot. But, but listen what he said in verses 19 and 20. He said, he, he starts out with just a one-word question. What? I always just picture Paul writing this as he's been describing how our life changes when we're in the Lord. But he said, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, 
which you have of God, and ye are not your own. Ye have this, you have this spirit of God living inside of you, and you are now not your own, for you are bought with a price. And for that reason, or therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The Holy Ghost lives in us, and it makes us His. We are God's. I cannot be double-minded. I cannot serve two masters. I cannot walk two roads. I must choose this day who I will serve. And if I'm going to serve him, I'm going to lay down, so to speak, my garments. When he comes riding into my life, I'm going to lay down who I am so I can be who he wants me to be. I've got to lose my identity. I can't keep being... Thank you. None of you guys knew nothing about this fella before church except my mom, and I don't think my brother's here, so uh, only she could testify to some of those things. But I'm telling you, I could not be that person that I was uh, pre-Jesus and, and, uh, and then say, well, I've got Jesus. It wouldn't work. It wouldn't line up. People say, I'm confused (laughs) because uh, people that say they serve the Lord don't do the things you're doing. Uh, They don't have that kind of reputation. And uh, some things died in my life when I went down in that water. And when I came up, the Bible says, now we walk in the newness of life. But it's new life. It's a new me. Yeah, same height and weight. Wouldn't be great if we could lose about 40 pounds when we come up. Uh, out of that water, uh, yeah, that'd be awesome. But we, we do lose some weight. We lose the weight of sin, uh, the weight of this world, and we lose some some weight. But uh, you know, we still look the same. But we're not the same. By faith, we've got to know that something is different. And now we serve the Lord God Almighty. I am, according to Jesus, I am now the light of the world. That's what we are—the light of the world. Well, that's a big job. But how can we shine a light that glorifies him if we live in such a way that says he never did anything for us? How can I say he saved me when I lived like he didn't? How can I say he changed me if I lived like he didn't? We've got to live that new life. We've got to, by faith now, and hey, we, we were talking about this in a meeting earlier, change, good or bad, is not always easy. And so it's not always easy, and it don't always happen overnight. Uh, you wrestle. Paul said, there's a war in my members. I'm wrestling in my flesh, and I'm battling with things in my mind. And he said, I know that, that in me, inside me, my flesh, there dwells no good thing. I, I understand. But uh, he also said in one place, but I keep and I put my flesh under subjection. Uh, I, I, I mortify the deeds of the flesh through the spirit. And, and so we are the light of the world, and we're supposed to have good works that glorify God. That when people see us, they realize God has done something for you. It's a shame if people never know you know the Lord. That's a shame. That's embarrassing. If somebody were to say, man, I didn't know you believed in the Lord. Man, I'm telling you, I would just find a place right then to go pray and say, Oh, God, help me. If, 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 I'm shine, if my light is so dim that people cannot see I belong to him, friend, let me tell you, then we need to do something to get the fire burning. Listen, it, all the glory goes to God. 
God be all the glory. It belongs to him. And it does, it's not about, again, it's not about us. It's about him. John the Baptist, the Lord said, there's not, was not another prophet like him. Was nobody like him. He, was, uh, he, he came in to this world, the forerunner. He was, he was a prophetic fulfillment of Scripture, that there would be one coming, crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. That was John. When he came, John the Baptist, he was baptizing everybody. He, was, he had them gathering by the, the multitudes, the hundreds, and maybe even thousands of people were just showing up. He was baptizing them over and over, baptizing them under repentance. But he was telling them, there's somebody coming after me. There's somebody else that's coming, and I'm not even worthy to, to unloose his sandals, and he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And uh, then one day he looks up and he says, Behold the Lamb of God. Here he is. He takes away the sin of the world, and, and uh, he, takes him, he bapt, actually baptizes Jesus, and the Spirit descends upon him like a dove, and they hear the voice out of heaven, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And now Jesus has been declared. He's on the scene, and people are beginning to know him. And something begins to happen. The Scripture says it was told to John that all men are now going to Jesus. Hey, John. I notice you ain't got but a few around here today. It's because everybody's going to Jesus. And John said in John 3 and 30, He must increase, but I must decrease. Because it's about Him. I came to preach Him. I came to preach His coming. And now that He is here, I've got to decrease I've got to lose my identity. It's, uh, I, I'm not going to be known as just John the baptizer anymore. It's because uh, people are going to him, and I understand it, and I'm okay with that because what I am or what I have done or what I am doing or even yet to do will not amount to anything. It will not profit if it magnifies me, if it's, if it's putting me front and center, if it's lifting me up, if it's putting me on the billboard. It, it, hey, it, it ain't magnifying God. It's magnifying me. But this is about the kingdom, about Christ's kingdom, the king. It's not about me. And that's our thing. We're, we're supposed to tell people about the Savior who is coming back someday. He's coming back. And so we worship him. Blessed be the king that comes in the name of the Lord. You know, this is, this is not my church. It's my church only in the sense that I pastor here and I attend here. But Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. I am a pastor in his church. Uh, I'm not a lord over God's heritage. I am a servant of the king. I am a watchman on the wall. I am a, a shepherd over some of his flock. But that's, that's it. It's not about me. It's about him. I, I, I don't care if people remember my name as long as they remember him. I don't care if they ever uh, acknowledge what I said or not as long as they find him. As, I, as we said earlier, Paul said, in my flesh there dwells no good thing. If, if I promote myself, I'm not pr promoting anything good. Because in my flesh dwells no good thing. But if I promote him, then I promote the one who is good all the time. Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's one good, that's God. And he was asking a question, really, do you know who I am? You must know who I am if you're saying good master. 
You must understand, you must know something that some of these other people don't know because there's only one that's good, and that's God, and he was God. According to uh, Timothy 3.16, said he was God manifest in the flesh. So I want to lose my identity. You know, I, I'm thankful for people who know me, sure. But when they know me, I want them to know what I love and what I'm passionate about. I want them to know that I love the Lord God, that I serve him. And, and yeah, do we have other things in, in our life besides church? Sure we do. But nothing should ever take the place of him or step in front of him. And nothing else should identify us in, in place of him. Several years ago, and this may seem, you know, kind of, you know, light, you know, like not much to anybody else, but it was to me because the Lord just made it stick out to me. There was one time, I mean, like on social media, I mean, I, everybody knows that I, that I am a Mustang fan. I drive Mustang. I drive a Mustang. I love Mustangs. My first car was a Mustang. I've had seven Mustangs. I love them. Great cars. They're beautiful. Man, they're like works of art. It's, uh, sorry if you love Chevrolets. That's, that's all right. You know, Jew, Gentile, Ford, Chevrolet, it's all, <laughs> it's all the same. You know, but I, I loved them. And, man, and so on social media, it was like every day, man, I, posting stuff. Man, I was Tuesday, I was posting, hey, it's taillight Tuesday. I was posting shots of Mustang taillights. That's what I, how it was, man. It was crazy. I mean, I was just, you know, posting stuff all the time. Fastback Friday, and it was, it'd be 15, 20 pictures of Mustangs and stuff like that. And one day the, the Lord said to me, they're going to start calling you the Mustang Man because you post more pictures of cars than you do anything else. And I'm like, I don't love cars. I feel like Peter all of a sudden. The Lord is going, you love these more than me? That's what I felt like. I, was, I felt like I was sitting by the fire on that beach, and Jesus was going, hey, do you love those things more than you love me? Because it looks like you do. Now the Lord, and I'm, I feel like I was like, Peter, you know everything. You know I love you. <laughs> yeah, but what everybody sees is that every time you post something, it's going to have a Mustang on it. Or, you know, and I thought, you're right. People are going to say, that's the Mustang guy. And so I stopped posting pictures of them. Every once in a while, maybe now, but I cut it out. I just stopped. I said, man, I don't want to be known as the Mustang man. <laughs> I want to be known as your child. I want to, I you know, I I'm not trying to be an advertiser for Ford. I'm trying to be the light of the world. What happened to me? But you just get caught up in a little thing. You say, oh, nobody. But people who never knew me or people that were didn't know and saw my page, they would think, well, he must work for Ford. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and then maybe people who didn't know who I was thought, how come he's not posting any scriptures? He's always posting stuff about cars. And I said, wow, I've led a little thing like that kind of, get ahead of me and so I repented over it and I backed off of it because I said that's not what I want my identity to be 
there's nothing wrong with having hobbies unless they consume you. If they are more prevalent, if people know you more by the car you drive than the Lord you serve, we've, we've gotten sideways somewhere. So Paul said this about himself as he wrote in the book of Philippians. He said, you know, if people want to boast in the flesh, he said, I got more to say. He said, people might be confident in their flesh, what they've done in this world, but if any man thinks he has more to boast of than I do, he's kidding himself because I could throw up my pedigree. He said, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. A Hebrew of the Hebrew is touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law. I was blameless. But then he said this, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. And yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And I do count them but dung or waste that I may win Christ and be found in him and not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, so that I can know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, and that I could be made conformable unto his death. He went on to say, I have not yet apprehended, but this one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind who I used to be, and I reach forth to the things that are before I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, you know, I've got a destination. We have a destination. An eternal mark that we must reach. But to do that, we must lose our life. I have to lose my hope in who I was or who I am in this world and trust and rest in him. I must believe in him. Because at the end, we'll find that it's all about that garment again. In Revelation chapter 7, and, and you can come to the music, doll. Revelation chapter 7, John sees in verse 9, a great multitude which no man could number. All nations, kindreds, people, tongues stood before the throne, before the Lamb. And they were all clothed. It didn't matter what nation, kindred, people, or tongues they were. They were all clothed with white robes. Everybody was wearing the same thing. And their robes were all white because of the same reason. And they had palms in their hands and they, crowd with a, they cried with a loud voice, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. The angels stood round about the throne, about the elders, the four beasts, fell before the throne on their faces. They worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, power and might. Be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered and say, said unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said unto him, Sir, you know. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, have washed their robes and made them white 
in the blood of the Lamb. One day we'll be identified again by the robe we're wearing. But while we're here, we need to take care of that robe as well. Ecclesiastes 9 and 8 says, Let thy garment be always white. Because that glorifies him. Let thy garment be always white and let your head lack no ointment. I want to be identified as one of those with that white robe on. Because if the robe is white, then I'm reflecting him. But if it's not, I'm reflecting me. He said, my garment was as filthy rags. But the Bible says that he gave us a robe of righteousness. He said, my robe was red and stained with sin. He said, but I can wash it and make it white as snow. There's nothing that I want to identify me in this life more than I want Jesus to identify me. So while we're tonight, if you'll stand with me and while she's playing, before we baptize him tonight, let's, let's take a moment to come and pray, if you will. If you'd like to, you can come to the altar or maybe just pray at your seat. But if you'd like to, there's plenty of altar space. Come and pray and maybe lay down your garment tonight. Lord, I want to lay down what identifies me. That's what repentance is. Dying out to ourself. Let's lay down that garment tonight. Let's lay it down and let the king come in.
done in this place. we're waiting on this baptism can we just lift our hands one more time just in thankfulness God is so good he knows what he's doing Lord we love you we magnify thank you Jesus you thank, you, thank you Jesus thank you Jesus Can we sing it one more time? Oh, and I will worship you with all of my heart. I will worship you with all of my heart. And I will worship you with all of my strength. You are. Some of the friends and family that would like to come up onto the platform to watch the baptismal, you're welcome to do so. He still getting changed, so while we're waiting, yeah, just come on up and like I so said, make room where his family can see. Like I so said, you're welcome to come up where you can see real good. There'll be plenty of pictures made. So, um, but man, I tell you, we're just thankful for people that uh, have faith in the Lord and thankful for Daniel. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised to get his phone call and him ask about being baptized. He said, I really felt like after I prayed last Wednesday night, the Lord was just impressed that on me so strong to be uh, baptized. Or he said, rebaptized. He says, that's something people do. I said, all the time. I said, so I said, we'll be glad to do that. And uh, just thankful that uh, for people having faith in the Lord. I love to watch young people just grow in the Lord. And who knows this, this step uh, that he's taking tonight, where it will lead him, you know, how he's going to grow. But we're excited because we're meeting a, to meet a, a great young man and just uh, to see what God's going to do in his life is a definite blessing for us. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So which way is he? Is he coming that way? Okay. I'll say, make sure somebody's showing him where to go. <laughs> He'll be in another part of the building. Where's that baptistry at? Praise God. Uh, but, yeah, we're thankful for that tonight. So, I'm just, I'm, I rush, so I'm, I'm always here before the person. So. Thank you, Jesus. Very 
tell you, he's a, a tall one. He, he just about didn't make it. We'll have to get a bigger baptistry, get a swimming pool in here or something. Well, I'll tell you, it, but nothing like it. Nothing excites me like baptizing people in Jesus' name. So excited for that. And when he comes out, when you get a chance, greet him and just congratulate him. Let him know you're praying for him, love him. We, we love our brother and the Lord. Glad to meet him. Thankful for folks inviting people to church. And uh, hey, invite somebody this weekend. People are hungry for the Lord. Let's invite them to church. Let God touch their lives. Amen. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord tonight. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.